Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello. It's good to be with you. Today, we're taking some time to ask the question, are our personalities fixed? And so just a little bit of background for why this question is coming up. For a number of years, it was sort of widely thought that personality traits were fixed, that they were set by genetics. But people continue to study things, and there's all this sociology reporting. And as enough data has emerged, it's starting to suggest that, in fact, maybe personalities evolve over time, much like so many other things. And so there are these new studies, and I can link some of these in the show notes in case you're interested, but they've found that things like conscientiousness and agreeableness, that these grow over time, while things like openness, how much we want to engage with others, if you can believe it, kind of declines over time. And so they're asking questions like, why might this be? And they're looking at nurture versus nature and how our self-beliefs and all of this comes into play and finding that maybe maturation matters. Maybe as we grow and mature, it does affect our personalities and how we manage ourselves. Maybe that seems to play a role in personality development. And so this is all kind of emerging research, and that being the case, I would love to open up the conversation as we think about this topic of personality, because I I think personality is fascinating. I love to talk about it, but I feel like there's a gamut where some people just hate talking about personality, they hate the labels, they can't find where they fit, uh, and then others really strongly identify with their types, and then there's everything in between. So... As we begin today, what comes up for you? Yeah, I think like anything, when we discover new information, there could be the thrill of learning something new. It can really help us in our self-awareness. And I think oftentimes then there's the temptation to kind of make that our dogma and we are X or this person is Y and therefore we relate in that sort of a way. And I think what I'm hearing from you today, Christina, is that the possibility that it doesn't have to be this fixed identity, but as we're engaging with personality information and types, that there's this opportunity for us to explore, expand. And even if we've identified in a particular way that possibly as we're maturing, those things can change. And I think immediately for me, what comes to mind with that is even when I take you know, personality typings, things like that. When I consider myself in different contexts, sometimes maybe at home, a particular part of my personality is coming out where in a social setting, workplace, different things are being called upon for me. And so I've definitely noticed that in my life, which I think is helpful because it it, it shows me, okay, wow, that's interesting. At least if nothing else, there's some data that like, that's interesting that when I'm here, this part of me shines. And when I'm here, this part of me shines. So I think that's really interesting what you're bringing up today. Yeah. I find it to be fascinating. And the thing that comes to my mind is the idea of growth. When I think about how I want to land in life. It's it's to be always growing. And so this notion of our personalities not being fixed lends itself to the possibility of growth. But I think something else that comes up for me is our cognitive development, our frontal cortex, and it's it's has it fully developed. And I think for me, like I see certain people 
who have probably they're still kind of in the lower functions of their brain. And I, I think, well, I wonder what it would take to get them into sort of the frontal cortex, what experiences uh, could cause them to grow to where they're using the frontal cortex um, and how would that play into their decision-making and how does it play into personality? Because I think another thing that comes up for me is like we're this whole being, we're not just like a body, we're not just a spirit, we're not just a soul. Like there's, there's this wholeness, all of me that comes into this idea of growing. And I think I like to think about, you know, these different facets. And the thing that I am most hopeful about with this idea of personalities not being fixed is that there is hope for growth for the future. Yes, I love what you're both saying, this notion of hope for growth, and maybe I'm tapping into different parts of who I am in different places. Uh, I was just in a conversation recently where they were talking about maybe personalities, like equal parts, how we were born, what we're being told, like kind of our environment, what we're learning, and then our, our self deciding. This is huge, I think, because when I was first introduced to personalities, I feel like there was this idea of, oh, this is who you are. And then when people talked about it, they would name it as this is, this is my type. This is, you know, the totality. And then there was only like these little bits of hope with a lot of emphasis on like, what about my type makes me bad even, you know, as opposed to like, what are these positive attributes that I could then go ahead and draw on over time? So I haven't loved this notion that maybe a personality becomes an excuse of like, oh, this part of me, I just, that's just who I am because that's my personality. What can I do? Um, versus what you're talking about here with, oh, there's maybe that my brain ultimately likes to go to this one spot when I feel stressed out or whatever, but there is this opportunity for me to tap into something else to kind of draw from a deeper well within. Um, and how do I cultivate that? That feels important to me because as a child, I was extremely shy. And I think being the youngest of five, I was able to be sheltered from having to confront my shyness because I had older brothers and sisters that would do things for me and be the outgoing one, et cetera. And as I've gotten older, I've had to confront some of my shyness. Now, at the end of the day, I like my natural demeanor is more of a quiet, I don't mind being in the background in group situations, that sort of thing. But I've also had to go to those edges and grow. And so I think even your point about an excuse, I could certainly have an excuse my whole life. I'm shy. I don't do those sorts of things. I'm an introvert rather than, yes, that is my natural demeanor. And I've also learned skills, social skills, over the years that have helped me to engage with people. So I, I, I appreciate what you're naming. And I'm also um, conscious of the fact that sometimes when we think about uh, developing or we think about growth, we think about external, what external thing will help me to grow? Like what this Myers-Briggs personality type or the Enneagram, like what will help me grow? And I think sometimes there's this, this view that if we just find these external things, that will lead to the growth that I need. But I was just having a conversation with someone, like if you're always looking for external things, 
to make you happy or to look to the next thing, um, that never works. Like to some degree, we have to find an internal peace about who we are. And that's where true happiness comes from. It's going inward, not these external things that some of these personality types uh, can can give us as we think about growing. Yeah, I wonder if there's a little bit of a both and in there, right? So as we kind of look around, so when I was an opera singer, um, we often were asked to listen to other people. So if you're a high soprano, you listen to other high sopranos sing. And the reason wasn't just to learn the music so you didn't have to learn how to read music. It was to have an imagination for what a high note can do, what it can be. And so there was this research that suggested if you listened to more people singing high notes, you would have more imagination, you would sing high notes more freely. Uh, Now, again, lots and lots of factors, but it's interesting. And so, you know, I've been in several circles lately, this woman, Ayo Yatunda, and I think she's living in the Chicago area now, does a lot around uh, racial reconciliation, equality. And she talked a little bit about the extraordinary extrovert or extraordinary extrovertism or something like this. And it was all around this idea of, I might be an introvert, right? So to like Christina's point, I might be shy. I might be more prone to being internal, but does something spark from within and cause me to say like, in this case, I'm going to go without, I'm going to kind of promote what I believe in. I'm going to rise up in this different way. It's not unique. You know, that wouldn't be my first choice, but in this case, I feel compelled. I feel called. I feel this purpose and meaning and I, and I do it anyways, even though it's not my, you know, my usual state. I think this is helpful as well as we interact with others, because I think, you know, again, going back to our earlier point, sometimes there's that temptation when we are discovering about personality that we then put that on the other and assume that they are X, Y, or Z way. And I think at least in my perspective, some of these contemplative practices that I've done where I'm just holding space for someone and recognizing, okay, I can let go of my assumptions about this person. And sometimes there is a surprise in the way that they're reacting or responding. And so again, maybe I know them in a certain context with a certain personality expression, but then I see them over here and it's like, wow, you're, you're the same person, but there's this whole other side of you that's coming through. And again, I think that just speaks to the expansiveness, not only within ourselves, but in the ways that we're interacting with others in our lives. Yeah, and I like the the idea of expansiveness. In fact, whenever you're first sharing that openness, it, it tends to decline as we as we mature. Uh, there's a part of me that like resists that information. It's like, well, I would hope not. I would hope that I would still continue to to be open to others uh, and engage with others. And so, uh, I think openness. I, is a high value of mine, but I also see the the desire to interact with um, what I would call the corner dwellers, people that are like on the extremes. I don't like openly seek them out and say, "Hey, let's have a conversation." You're fo- you're so far extreme that maybe I can learn something from you. Not that I've written them off, but uh, I, I think well they're going to have to go through their life lessons to, uh, and that's, that's, I feel like what life is for is to, to teach us and to cause us to grow. Um, but I would hope that 
as I age and as I mature that I continue to keep my openness uh, to others. And maybe by the word openness, maybe we have different definitions of what that is, Christina Kaiser, but that's one of the things that I think of is, is the hope that I would continue to be open to uh, to learning from uh, everyone. I, I tell my kids, uh, you don't learn from people that are like you, that believe the same things that you do. You learn from those that are different and have different opinions. Those are your teachers in life. Yeah, it's hard to say. I feel like self-awareness probably plays into it. Um, and so there is this kind of observation with openness around, oh, do people like have a smaller and smaller friend group? But of course, other wisdoms suggest that being able to continue to make new friends becomes completely key in aging, which perhaps we've talked about in just a couple of podcasts ago when we talked about aging. But um, yeah, there are these really interesting diagrams where And actually, I learned something recently about the Enneagram. So I've always heard of the gut-heart-mind triad. Like, oh, but there are people that think with their mind or like they kind of interact in the world using thinking in their minds and others kind of feel it instinctually in their bodies and others are very emotional and, and connected that way. Um, but it turns out there are other ways that one, so there's like connecting through positive outlook or um, do I become compliant in order to get what I want or do I like push through to get what I want? And so there's different ways to group all of these things that make different, so the Enneagram, if you're not familiar, is like nine personalities. So oftentimes it was like these three, these three, these three, and you never saw anything else, but it turns out there's other ways to group them. And so they all kind of fit together in these really interesting ways. Um, but if you were to look at a diagram of the Instagram and put it flat on a, like a table, it's kind of usually developed in a circle and there's points around the circle that have the various numbers. And some people have suggested like if you took it on a string and pulled it up and it became like a cone, if you will, uh, that all these personalities come closer and closer together as you head towards the top. And so there's this notion of being able to say sort of with that imaginative base that we were talking about before, like, oh, right now, let's say I'm going into an interview. I want to bring out my three, my performer, my achiever. And at another time, uh, you know, maybe we're, we have to stand up for somebody because we that wasn't right, right? And so I see that somebody's vulnerable and I want to be a protector. And so I'm going to call on my inner eight, if you will. So it's not that we're necessarily an eight or a three or whatever like and we may still have these other tendencies I mean uh, I identify as a three on the Enneagram and I will find myself saying these really funny stereotypical three things about image you know <laughs> which is very important to threes overall and they just fly out of my mouth before I've even had a chance to think about them uh, that's kind of my natural tendency. But indeed, right, a lot of people struggle with personality tests because they'll say, well, I tested one time and I was this and I tested another time and I was that. Maybe, Christina, like what you're talking about because my work personality looks a little different than my home personality. When I was in this job, I functioned this way in the world. When I was in this job, I functioned this way. So people kind of throw their hands up. They're like, I don't know what to do with any of this. But in fact, maybe what we're doing is sort of calling on that inner aspect because we've seen it. We've seen it modeled somewhere. We know how to do it. And others of them, maybe we're like allergic to them, right? Like we never want to do that. <laughs> but there is this kind of, as we grow, can we call on many aspects as they are needed? 
Is that part of the experience of maturing? And I think going along with that, when we are aware and tapping into different aspects of personality, I think that's when we're maybe interested in engaging in new spiritual practices because maybe these particular practices nourished a particular part of my personality. And as I'm in different contexts or around different people, I'm recognizing that those practices actually aren't what I need and there's some new ones. So I I see such relevance. Yes, I'm totally with you. I feel like spiritual practices then play a huge role in terms of developing and also getting what we need. If we are prone to that needing to rest, like, can we get that space even? So I am so with you. Thank you so much for opening this conversation up a little bit. Hopefully um, all of these things will continue to emerge and, and develop over time. is the time in our podcast where we take a moment to talk about what we are into. So tell me, what are you into lately? It is iced tea season and I am into different flavored iced teas and kudos to my husband. He is the iced tea maker in our household. And so we have been enjoying some delicious peach teas. Last night he made a fun mint tea and I I like you know, warm teas in the winter months. And I'm just excited about all these new iced teas that we're going to be experiencing for the summer. So I am very much into iced tea. Well, I don't know that I'm into iced tea, even though I make it. I don't think I make it by choice. I think I make it because everyone else screws it up. But iced tea is great. I think one of the things that I'm into and not by choice, uh, but it's more in my mind is I've sort of become the neighborhood bike mechanic. So all the kids bring their bikes and say, I don't think my seat is high enough. Can you help me hire my seat? Do you have an Allen wrench? Do you even know what an Allen wrench is? Or, you know, and so I've been, I've been doing a lot of bike repair, airing up tires, checking out, you know, holes and tires and, and uh, all, all sorts of fun things, which has been great because it's been a way for me to connect with the neighborhood kids and see how they also interact with my children whenever they think I'm not paying attention because I'm doing some sort of repair. So I'm into bike repair and being a voyeur into my children's life. It sounds like summer is upon us, right? With iced tea and bike repair after a winter of growing. And now we're just getting on our bikes again. So woohoo! I think similarly, we have been into using our smoker more um, and so just to say, if you are, if you're not a meat eater, smoked tempeh is my favorite way to have tempeh. Um, but we have really enjoyed putting all sorts of things into the smoker and coming out with this yummy deliciousness. So that's what we're into. Well, thank you everyone for being with us. If you would like more information or like to see what else we are up to or would like to subscribe to our newsletter, you're welcome to head over to foundryspiritualcenter.com for more information. Thanks so much. We will see you again soon. Mm-hmm.